It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. Gabe DeArmond and Mitchell Forty here. We're going to talk a little bit of spring football in a few minutes. But first, uh, appreciate head basketball coach Conzo Martin taking some time. And, I mean, coach, it's the offseason, so so you just get to, like, lay back with, with your feet kicked up for about five months now. Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> no, I, I wish. No, it's just, uh, this is heavy recruiting time, especially uh, in the month of April. So not only recruiting, but just making sure the guys finish throwing their classrooms. So covering a lot of ground there, but recruiting is still heavy. We're still bringing guys in on official visits. So it's just right. nonstop for us. Is there really now in this day and age, like, is there ever a downtime in recruiting? I know there are, there are dead periods or there are times where kids can't take official visits, but it's pretty much a 24-7 deal, isn't it? It is, and I think in our sport, if there's any downtime, it might be a week or so in May and then maybe a week in August. But other than that, and again, you're always making calls, so that's all year round. Guys can come on your campus all year round. They have what they call dead periods uh, when you can't have you can't have recruits on campus or you can't go off campus recruiting, but those are probably a week or so at a time. But for the most part, recruiting is all year round. Coach uh, Mitchell Forty here. Uh, generally speaking, you know, when you're – in home visiting recruits or meeting with recruits uh, right now, how big a, a selling point kind of is is making an NCAA tournament? Is that something that, that you're bringing up a lot and that they're uh, excited about? Well, I think it was big making the NCAA tournament, but I, but I think more than anything, just the opportunity to play to have success. So when you're talking recruiting, uh, young guys nowadays is they want to play from day one. Whether they start, they want to play a lot of minutes. So we have opportunities to play right away. Then also the fact that you. I thought our guys were exciting throughout the season, had some tough luck. I thought there were five losses. I thought we had a chance to win, came up short. So there was a lot of excitement, a lot of energy, a lot of passion. Guys played with a lot of heart, uh, a lot of perseverance. Uh, guys were dedicated to the craft. They were driven to be successful. And I, and I thought throughout the season, especially down the stretch, they showed a tremendous work ethic. For example, we used to have one or two guys in the gym at the end of the season. There was probably nine or ten guys in the gym working on their game after practice. So, that said a lot about the growth of our program. Conzo, we had, had Cassius on here last week and asked him this question, and I'm interested in your perspective. I mean, we know and fans know a little bit of the struggles you guys went through with injuries and transfers and, and a limited bench, but just uh, how much did this team overcome this year and, and compare it maybe to, to you know the other nine or ten teams you've coached, just how much they had to deal with throughout the year to get to where they did? Um, and I, I, I thought that this team was probably – the most resilient I've been around in my tenures as a head coach. It just, and again, they, the, the most impressive thing I think about it, they, whenever something hit, they didn't skip a beat. I mean, I've, I've been around locker rooms with guys and you, you lose a key guy or this happens, guys put their head downs and all of a sudden it's like, it's going to be a tough practice and we rally as a coach and say, oh, let's get the guys up. We got to get going. These guys didn't flinch. I mean, I, I, I said it with all sincerity. So it made, my job a lot easier from the standpoint. Let's keep rolling because they, they I mean, those are their teammates and friends, but stuff happens. And I think as a staff, we, we try to foster that culture and environment, man. Stuff will happen in life. This is, even though we're playing a game of basketball and we're trying to win it at the highest level, but these are still life skills that we're learning and everything we go through, it happens for a reason. But you, you can't, well, we, we always say you can't fall asleep. You have to keep plugging. And I thought our guys did a tremendous job in doing that. Uh, and, and, and credit to those guys, their families, uh, but also 
the willingness to coach and, and, and have a passion for each other, but also understand we got to keep pushing forward. Conzo, uh, you know, a year ago, you had this time you had just arrived in Columbia and we're kind of trying to instill uh, your culture and, and kind of values into the team. Uh, how much different is, is your job kind of right now after with a year under your belt? You said how much different is the job right now? Yeah, than a year ago when you first arrived. Well, I think we, we have a foundation. And, and, you know, people always use the term culture. What a culture is, uh, the guys are dedicated to being successful. The guys understand what it means to work hard. Now we have to take that next step. But I think the plus about all this is it's going into year two. So you have a core foundation returning that understands and have the blueprint of what it takes to be successful, what, our, what we're looking for as a team, what our coaching staff expects from us on and off the court. So you have all those things that help you segue into the finishing the spring and into the summer when the new guys come in and they say, okay, guys, this is what it looks like. When you take over a program a year ago, well, it's hard to say – it's hard for the returning guys to say this is what it looks like, guys, because it's a new coach, so everything is new for everybody. Even my assistant coaches, it was all new because I had three new assistant coaches that coach on the floor. So now you go into year two, your foundation is intact, and the guys understand what it takes to be successful, what it looks like, and I think that's the biggest key. So now it's not so much as in, in the month of May, which is a critical time when the guys go home before you get back in June for summer school, those guys are at home, and they understand, what what am I working on? Why am I doing this? And what is the end goal? Conzo, you talk about going into the recruiting period. And, and what I'm interested in is, I mean, I've been covering recruiting for 15 years. You've been doing it for longer than that. It's it's changed so much, I feel like, in the last few years with, with transfers. And, I mean, graduate transfers weren't even really a thing when you started uh, – when you were first a head coach, how much has have just – I think there's like 900 transfers every year, and then you add grad transfers on top of it. How much does that change what you guys do in the spring recruiting period? Well, it, it changes a lot from the standpoint that now there's, there's another element that you have to look for. Now, all of a sudden, the, the, the plus, I think, with grad transfers, and I've been blessed to have three of them that really helped programs, two when I was out of town, and then obviously cash is – Guys that are coming in right away can help your program if they're the right type of guy. And again, I can say as a coach, I've been blessed to have three really good ones from the standpoint of character, off the court, doing the right things, being a good teammate. So that helps. But it just it's, it's another element you have to look for, recruit towards, especially if you lose a guy you didn't expect to lose. Now all of a sudden, who, who's on the market? Now you have to recruit and get those guys. But, you know, we, we like to build our foundation all type of guys. I prefer high school guys, you know, the JC guys. I it's, it's, I think it's hard to coach guys for one year. And, again, I've been blessed to have three guys, and, and it worked out great for our programs. But that's the biggest key. It has to work for that young man coming in. It also has to work for your program. But, but recruiting never stops, and we're looking at all kind of guys. But we, we have a pulse on guys that we that we, we target. And then it's a matter of trying to get those guys. If it doesn't work there, where's your plan B? Along those same lines, uh, there have been several uh, different – propositions for uh changing kind of the the legislation as it pertains to transfers uh you know one of the more popular uh proposals has been allowing transfers immediate eligibility what are kind of in your mind some of the uh you know repercussions of that and uh, are you would you be in favor of that change well i just think allowing guys to transfer and play right away it's the world we in now that happens and then like everybody you have to make the adjustments accordingly um you know, and I can speak on that, but just a step further, um, you know, to talk about, you know, prospects should be able to transfer 
and move on because coaches do it. Well, in the case of every time I've moved on, I had to pay an X amount of dollars in a buyout contract. And, and I don't necessarily get specific for the numbers, but right. it's not as if a student athlete is paying somebody when he leaves school. Now, they have a right to leave. That's fine. The one thing I said about transfers, and I'm just talking specifically as a freshman, part of what we all go through in college, you're learning something, you're away from home, a different culture, different environment, different people. So you're growing as a youth, whether you're male or female. So you're 18 or 19 years old my freshman year. If I'm an athlete, I just think it's tough when an athlete transfers in December, unless there's a situation I just had to get out of that. I think as a freshman, go through it for a year because whatever whatever happened, even in the worst-case scenario, it didn't work out. At least you went through something. You learned the skill of how to adjust, uh, how to adapt to tough situations because the last thing I want to do for my, my children, my personal children, is to learn tough situations when they're 30, 35 years old. I like for them to learn at a younger age and deal with it. So I, think, I just think that's the biggest thing with transfers. At least let them go through the freshman year and deal with that. And, and unless there's a bad situation they're in, they, they need to get out of there. But if it's just if it's just a sport, you're not playing a lot. This other person is better because that that happens all the time. Stick through it and learn from it. it it'll teach you a better work ethic, a, a better dedication, or a better commitment. It, it seems like to me, coaches are now in a position, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong, where you don't just have to recruit kids that are coming in next year. You're basically re-recruiting your entire team every year because there are so many transfers. I mean, is that an accurate statement? I think it's accurate, but I, but I think if if you have to re-recruit, then someone wrong from the start. And I, I think I, I am who I am. My style is my style, and I try to have compassion when I coach. I, I, I try to give my heart and everything I have to our players. Uh, my, my door, my home is always open, whichever one you want to do, because it, I'm transparent in everything I'm about. I, I like to think our staff uh, – have passion for our players and want to see them be successful on the court. We, we eat breakfast with our players in the morning, and that's not something that's phone. That's something we do. We have a good time. It's not as if there's a meeting. So, again, at the end of the year, if I have to re-recruit you, uh, then I didn't do something up front because you saw me for a whole year, so that, that wasn't good enough. Now, if I have to beg you to stay in our program, uh, then it's probably best that we both part ways anyway. Now, I'm not talking about a case of a guy that's going in the draft. That's different. But right. when you're talking about a young man, you're trying to keep him in your program, and you felt like you did the right things to keep him in your program throughout the year, I don't know if a speech for, for the next week to try to get him to stay will help. Going into this next month, month and a half or whatever, you mentioned a guy going in the draft. And how does Jonte's situation affect – how you approach recruiting and just kind of waiting until you get that final answer on what he's going to do. Well, I, I think that the biggest thing is this is the way I look at this is a beautiful thing. And one for John T. Porter, because again, you dream of doing this. And so you have an opportunity to do this. So now my thing with John T. put your best foot forward to try to make it. You can't straddle a line and say, if I don't play hard, I can go back to school. So then you didn't put your best foot forward because you're still being evaluated. So once you step on the floor, you evaluate it even for next year. Wherever the flaws are, they'll, they'll, they'll magnify the flaws, and then all of a sudden that becomes you. So what happens is put your best foot forward to make it. Now if it doesn't happen, you come back to school, you understand what you need to do, you got valuable information from the NBA, and you work for it go to possibly do it the next season. So it, it doesn't really affect us because, again, this is a dream come true, and, 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 I'm, and I want to see it. 
the best opportunity for Jonte Porter so he can be successful to reach his dreams. Uh, and I, I don't think there's anything for me negative about that. If Jonte's blessed to go and make it, then that's great for Jonte. We wish him nothing but the best because he's a part of our family. Conzo, uh, one other thing that's you know been in the news a lot lately in college basketball is uh, the uh, the FBI investigation into corruption and recruiting and whatnot. Obviously, I think you know we've kind of just scratched the, the tip of the iceberg as to what how all that process actually works. But do you kind of have an idea of uh, what maybe uh, one change that could be made that might be able to clean up uh, a little bit of recruiting? Your, your, your sound was breaking up. I just heard FBI investigation. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you said you have an idea. Yeah. Do you have one thing uh, in mind that you think one change that might, you know, help kind of clean up the, the whole uh, recruiting, especially as it comes to, you know, sneaker companies? Gabe, can you repeat that for me? Yeah. I can hear your sound better than he is. Okay. I really hear Sorry, you. Coach. Yeah, no problem. Basically, he, it, it, do you have any ideas on, on changes that could be made that might help clean the clean things up a little bit and and in the recruiting game especially as it pertains to recruit or to uh to the shoe companies well i think the first thing uh the first thing we have to ask and, and it's the question is what are we trying to clean up and uh, so so that means what, whatever took place if that happens what are we trying to clean up and i think the one thing i will say about about summer basketball au basketball i think that is a great thing is those are those are a lot of opportunities for a lot of young men and women that would not have had otherwise because I just know, for example, growing up in East St. Louis, we didn't have those opportunities. We had to play a lot of road games, so not many opportunities were pre- presented to us with our high school team. So so we might have had guys, our, our seventh, eighth, ninth guy on the bench was a Division One prospect, maybe a low Division One prospect, but he didn't get those opportunities because he didn't get the exposure. When Most times you play AAU basketball, you got a ten man roster, everybody has a chance to get a scholarship. And also you can go to one event, you can go from being a non recruited prospect to a guy to get division one scholarship. So again, I think those are tremendous opportunities that if you take away from summer basketball that we won't have there. So I don't think that'll be good. I think with the shoe company, shoe companies always be there. And I think for the most part, and it's any profession and not to point fingers at others. <laughs> People that do wrong things, they'll consistently do wrong things. You can you can continue to add rules and rules and rules, but if people are known for breaking and that's who they are, then that's who they are. I don't think you you just overhaul everything you've done because this is a successful game. You saw Villanova in a championship game. It was a great game. I think Jay Wright, they probably have the best program in the country right now, I mean, just over a course of time. You do the things the right way, you have success. But I, I just think – People that do wrong, they'll consistently do wrong. And, and, I, and I think that'll be what it'll be, just identifying those guys and then making decisions on them. Two, two more for you, and we'll let you out the door. Uh, I've said for a long time, if Missouri could consistently get the best kids out of the state of Missouri, and if you want to extend that to Overland Park in East St. Louis, you can. Um, that's a top 25 program. How Going back, I mean, even to when you were a uh, high school kid, all the way back there the last 30 years, how how good is the the talent in this state and in this immediate area area on a consistent basis? I think it's good. I, I, now again, when I was in high school, I thought it was the best. It just, <laughs> just through my lens, you know. But but I think I think it's always good. Every 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 state or every city has down times, and just part of. It. But I think in the St. Louis metropolitan area, even around us, there's some of the best in the country, pound for pound talent. Uh, some areas have better guards. Some areas have better bigs. And, and, you know, it, I just think they have talent. Um, it's just a matter of identifying the right ones and, and the guys that can help you win and be successful. But, you know, on the flip side of that, too, it's, it's easier said than done just to say, okay, you get the guys the best talent in the state. 
well, they got to they got to want to come to your place. Somebody else is recruiting. You have guys that say, man, I want to get away from home. I don't want to be. So you have a lot of different factors that uh, play into a young man making a decision. So you, you just have to do the best job you can. You have to recruit guys, and, and even for us, it's like there, there are some guys. I mean, you you have two good ones from that area. You can take one. You can't take two, and you take a lot of guys. Then all of a sudden, you have issues within your locker room because you got different high school, different AU programs. All this stuff takes place. You have to be smart about making decisions and doing what's best for your program. Let, uh, last thing for you, and I know you cannot predict the future, but uh, I mean, the, the ten guys you got on scholarship, your staff, all your support staff, you you expect this? Uh, expect everybody back? Expect it to be stable going forward? I always expect it to be stable. Uh, right, right. So, uh, Maybe that was yeah, the I, wrong word, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't see nothing unless you know something I don't know. All right. Nope, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> no, every, everything is fine on this end. All right. Well, Conzo, appreciate it, man. And uh, I'm sure you're uh, hitting the road here pretty soon all over the country. We'll probably bump into you at a couple tournaments. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, right, Conzo. Have a good one. Conzo Martin, head basketball coach at Missouri, uh, taking some time. And, look, official visits start again tomorrow. AAU season really kicks off next weekend, I think, in Dallas. Uh no days off. I yeah, mean, it a is busy, a twelve-month-a-year job. Yeah, he was at recently at what at uh, two high school uh, state championship games in the same day or something like yeah. that. He is a busy man this time of year. So obviously, Conzo uh, Martin can't talk about any individual kids. Uh, look, we all know Mark Smith is scheduled to take an official visit this weekend. We all know Courtney Ramey is deciding or not deciding or whatever has a top. 10 or 9 or eventually he may end up in college somewhere yeah, we'll see we assume he'll make a decision uh the the late signing period runs till may 15th uh he doesn't have to decide by then if he doesn't want to he can he can wait but um those are really the two and and like you could tell from the way Conzo answered the question like they've got some ideas on grad transfers and you know i i don't know if people know how this works they do not call us to tell us exactly who those guys are but there's going to be, I would assume, at least a transfer or a grad transfer in this class, along with, you know, hopefully, I think, Courtney Ramey. And then they've got one other spot because we don't expect Jonte Porter to be back. Right. Yeah, there's still a lot a lot of questions. Uh, we still have several moving pieces to figure out exactly who's going to be on the court in 2018. But uh, like you said, they and he, he kind of alluded to us they to this, they kind of keep a pulse on uh, which graduate transfers uh, are still interested. I'm sure they've still been in contact with uh, several of them. I know one name we've heard uh, a few times is uh, Drew Smith from Evansville, although I believe he's not a graduate transfer. But uh, yeah, him, Mark Smith, Ramey, there's a few others as well that uh, are all still in the mix. I think, I think, Ramey's probably the biggest domino that needs to fall first to kind of uh, give and Jonte, uh, mm -hmm. Jonte made decisions. Once the, they make final decisions, I think uh, that the other things will sort themselves out pretty and, quickly. And I think it's pretty obvious, and this is the way they have to approach it. Like they're recruiting as if Jonte Porter's not coming back. Right. If he does come back, hey, they'll figure it out and yeah. and they'll be very happy about it and deal with it going forward. But as of now, you have to recruit as if he's not on the team. So. Uh, Mitchell's going to be in Indianapolis and uh, down between Atlanta and Augusta, South Carolina, North Augusta, South Carolina, covering a couple AAU events this summer. Um, it's going to be, you know, loaded 2019 class, loaded 2020 class. And I, I've said since Conzo got the job, his program, his legacy here was never going to be about what do you do in one year of Michael Porter. It was always going to be about how do you build on that one year and that's what we now find out over the next 24, 36 months. 
Yep, yep. As we've said a lot of times, that, that 2019 recruited class is loaded in the local area. If he can uh, set the precedent by getting a good number of those guys, then uh, you know I like his chances moving forward of putting together a pretty consistent program. And just kind of putting a bow on basketball, here's why Courtney Ramey's a big deal. I've had people tell me if Conzo Martin gets Courtney Ramey, he is going to own St. Louis. Right. I, I mean, like every other coach is going to go in there you know, behind mm -hmm. from the start. Um, and that is something that has never been said about the University of Missouri and St. Louis in any sport, I don't think. So be interesting to watch going forward. Uh, spring football wrapped up this morning outside of the black and gold game, which is, I hate to disappoint you guys, the least important of all 15 <laughs> practices because they will do nothing that they're going to do next fall. We will learn very little. Um very little is about what we've probably learned in 14 practices, huh? Yeah, this morning uh, I was just over there and uh, Barry Odom wrapped up his uh, his media availability by saying that he hopes the spring game is like watching paint dry. He hopes that not, no injuries happen, no penalties happen, no turnovers happen, that both the offense and the defense play equally well. So uh, now, <laughs> now here's what I want to know, and here's what I want to ask all these coaches. What advantage – is anybody going to get out of watching your spring football game if you run your offense and your defense? Like, is that going to win you a football game in October? I mean, probably not. You know, I guess Missouri's situation is like a little bit unique where no one knows exactly what their offense is going to look like. Maybe but that's like they're a gonna know. Advantage, but after they six play six drives into the season, yes, they're after going they to play know. Tennessee Martin. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And that was, I remember last fall, like a, a lot of the talk about, hey, why can't anybody really cover practice? And it was, or two years ago, I guess it was, well, it's a new staff. They don't want West Virginia to know what they're doing. And I said, okay, so second quarter, West Virginia is going to know exactly what they're doing. They have smart people who watch football. I, look, I, I mean, it's the most paranoid profession in America. More power to them, uh, whatever. They, they can set the rules. This isn't a complaint about access. I just don't really understand why we act as if we're guarding state secrets right right yeah so we covered that uh spring football look black and gold game it kicks off at noon um you know it's supposed to rain attendance is not going to be good <laughs> i think that's safe to say right probably five thousand something like that is what i'm expecting it doesn't matter i you know whatever spring football is not really a thing in missouri it just never has been the high schools don't even have it. So if you want to complain that Ohio State and Nebraska and all these other schools will have 70000 for a practice, feel free to complain. It doesn't really matter to me. This is all about let's fast forward to September 1st, and they've got to win football game. Mm -hmm. And uh, between now and then, we have to find something to talk about. The one thing I would say, you know, maybe could uh, be worthwhile out of the spring game is just kind of getting a sense of what the depth chart looks like as opposed to, you know, as it did uh, first of spring, they released a depth chart. We'll see if there's any differences now. But uh, aside from, like, who takes the I mean, field the, for the first few snaps. Right, like, I expect, like, two series for Drew Locke. Right, maybe. right. You yeah. know, for, for I mean, I, I can't – I wouldn't play Terry Beckner much, especially – I'm not sure I'd play Terry Beckner at all. <laughs> yeah. He's... But other than that, like – put your guys out there. Maybe Albert O doesn't have to play a lot. You kind of know what you're getting with him. Yeah. But other than that, put the guys out there that are going to be out there. Let them go run around for a little while and let fans see some football. So uh, that's what we're going to accomplish there. Um, a lot of recruiting over the next uh, next few weeks, football camps, basketball, AAU events. We will keep you updated on all of it and find a way to, uh, in Derek Dooley's words, throw enough against the wall to see what sticks up until uh, – 
SEC Media Days in July. So thanks for listening. Um, we will keep the podcast up on hopefully a weekly basis. It might just be me and Mitchell, like, kind of, you know, talking about what we had for lunch. But <laughs> we know you guys are interested in that. So I'm going to go get some lunch now. We'll talk to you next week.